We're so glad you are here with us today. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. I want to welcome each and every one of you. We'd love to connect with you if you are a first-time guest. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can find those throughout our space. You can also find those on our website and through the Riverbend app. And we just really want to make sure you know that you are valued and we're glad you're here. We're going to help you take your next step with us here at Riverbend. And the other thing I want to mention to you if you're a first-time guest is that we have a gift bag that you can pick up on your way out this morning. But so grateful that each and every one of you is here with us this morning. And as we continue our series, Foundations for the Valley, I want to begin with this idea of holding out our hands like this. So will you do that with me? If you're comfortable and able to do that, just hold your hands out like this for a moment. And, and there's something powerful about this posture. There's this posture that says, I am giving, but also I am willing and able to receive. There, there's power in a posture like that. You can put your hands down, all right? I know you're, you're starting to get a little tired of your wrists. You're like, oh, oh my goodness. And, and there's something about that uh, that is really powerful. In fact, I, I was reminded about the power of that through a story that I heard recently. And, and the story goes like this, that there was a, a mom and, and her son, and, and they didn't have a lot. In fact, they needed government assistance. And, and so they would go and buy groceries with the help of, of government assistance, and, and they would live in government uh, housing as well, and, and those types of things uh, that really allowed them to afford some type of life as a family. And in the midst of them going to the grocery store and buying the things that they would buy, they would then come back to where they lived, and the mom would proceed to hand out some of the items to the kids in that complex and development. And these kids were hungry and starving just like her own son was. And her son would say, Mom, why would you do that? And then she said to her son, Boy? Do you know who you're talking to? That was the first thing she said. <laughs> but the second thing she said, the second thing she said is when we open our hands to give, we also open our hands to receive. When we open our hands to give, we also open our hands to receive. And I found that to be true in this season that we've been in as a church, that for Amy and I, and I'm just going to speak for us, as we have join Jesus and what he's doing through foundations for the valley, the way in which God has shown up in our lives as a response to being open-handed has been incredibly moving and encouraging. It's put wind in our sails as we've heard story after story of not just this campaign, but what our church and ministry has meant to people, to those that we call family here at Riverbend and those that we serve in the local community. And so there's power when we take on that posture because we often look at it as giving away versus receiving, but really they work together. And so here's something for us to think about and consider this morning. What does open-handed living do for us and others? What does open-handed living do for us and others? How does it change not only us, but also change others as well? How does it put us in a position to really impact the people around us. I want you to be thinking about that as we consider where we're going to be at today. Because part of this campaign and this series really is built on this idea that we're for people.
people, that we're for the valley. In fact, one of the key passages that we're going to look at today is really part of what we've made the focus in this campaign as well. And that's found in Jeremiah 29. I want to invite you to open up with me there, Jeremiah 29. And as we go there, I want us to just understand a bit of what's happening. Uh, The nation of Israel has been taken over by the Babylonian Empire. They're living in exile. And in the midst of being away from Jerusalem, their home, there are these false prophets saying things like, in the midst of what's happening, that this time is going to be a short period of time in their lives versus the 70 years it's going to be. And so they're tempted to start kind of cruising on autopilot instead of engaging in the moment that God has for them and the moment that he's inviting them, even in the midst of their disobedience, because the reason why the Babylonians have overtaken them is because they disregarded God in his ways. They chose, again, not to follow him, not to trust him, not to walk with him. And in the midst of that, God still has a way of redeeming situations and circumstances like only he can do, because that's what he does. He does that again and again and again. And I want us to just hear what the prophet Jeremiah, who is the spokesman on behalf of God to the people of Israel, has to say. He's not a false prophet. He's the true prophet. And listen to what it says here in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, it says this. It says, this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. So here's a land they don't want to be in. Here's a place that's not home. And yet God gives them specific instructions for how to live in this place that they don't want to be in, this land of captivity. And what are some of the things he says right in this passage? And this is audience participation time right now. What are some of the things he says to them to do? What does he say? Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Get married. Have children. Make babies, I heard. Which is another way to say that. That's really good. Eat. Have grandchildren. Right? These are, these are some of the, the thoughts that have been, and things that have been communicated from God to, to, through the prophet Jeremiah to the people. In other words, in other words, engage fully. Be fully present. Don't, don't just grieve what's been and what isn't. You need to do that. But you also need to be faithful with the moment that you find yourselves in today, as you look forward to a tomorrow. And for us, this is so true, that we want to faithfully be where God has us to be, to engage fully in the moments that he has for us, and to really have this posture to say, hey, we want to be a people who don't just exist for ourselves, but want to exist for others, want to exist for the people of the valley, for this place that he has us in. And then when you go to verse 7, I want us to read this together because this is one of our theme verses for the campaign. 
And I want us to read this together on three. One, two, three. Seek the welfare of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it has prosperity, you will prosper. So it says to seek the welfare of the city. To seek the welfare of the city. To be for, again, the people and the place that I have put you in. And that was really difficult for them when you consider what had happened. They had been taken captive because of their disobedience to God. And yet God says, no, I want you not only to go there, but I want you to seek the welfare of this place. I want you to be about the place I have deported you to, I have brought you to. And it says to pray to the Lord on its behalf. And one of the best gifts that we give to the people around us and the people of the valley is to be a people who actually pray. We don't just talk about prayer, we actually pray. We pray, we get on our knees and we seek God's face on, the behalf, on behalf of the places and the people of the valley. We join him and his heart for this area in which he's called us to. We join him for those that he's put in our circles of influence and to pray for them, to pray on their behalf to the Lord, to be these types of people who seek, seek their prosperity, to seek their peace is another way to say that. And we hear that word and there's all kinds of things that go into our head when we think of prosperity and peace. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But what I don't want you to miss is that in order for the people to be all that God intended them to be, they were to, again, seek the welfare of the city and to pray on its behalf. If, if it prospers, it says very clearly, you will prosper, right? If it prospers, you will will prosper. And this is really important because the nation of Israel was always intended to be a light to all other nations of the one true God, always. And their, their light was somewhat dim, depending how you look at it, right? As you study history, there are times it was really bright and really radiant, but then there's many times where they disregarded what God had for them. But yet in the midst of that, his mission, his focus and heart for the nations never ceased and it never stopped. It was always there. And you see this in a very specific way in this context, the place that he has brought them to. And so as we think about that, I want to give you a couple of things. First is this. First is this, as we look to this definition of what it is that we're talking about when it comes to prosperity. Because I want to make sure we understand, because there is such a thing of, of thinking prosperity of hey, I have everything I want, my health, the wealth, the fame, the power. And we start kind of having that mindset with that word. But I kind of really want us to understand what this word means. And I have found Dr. Calcanti's definition to really help bring to light what it means. So I want to read this to you. It's, this is what it means here. It says, the word prosperity and peace in the Bible is shalom. Say that with me. Shalom. Turn to your neighbor, say Shalom. And you can add another shalom, 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 shalom. And so what this means, which means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspire joyful wonder 
as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. And we, we get to be a preview of that coming day where this will be fully realized, right? But, but Jesus comes to give us shalom, this peace, this, this wholeness, this fullness that's found in him, and then we join him in bringing his shalom wherever we go, whether that's to a college campus, a high school, a middle school, uh, whether that's our, our work environment, our workplace, uh, whatever the situation that we find ourselves in, we're, we're joining him in seeking to bring about human flourishing. And we've said this throughout, that human flourishing is always connected to his will and his ways. This shalom, this peace, is what it is that Jesus has come to fully give us. He's called our Prince of Peace. He's the one that makes it possible for us to have this type of peace with God the Father through the finished work of Christ and by the filling of the Spirit, and then to join Him in bringing back, bringing back those who are far from Him, but also to advance His cause and His kingdom here on the earth, to join Him in those ways. So as we think about this word prosperity and shalom, here's a couple things I want to give to us regarding that. When we are living for the people where God has placed us, we are seeking their prosperity. When we are for, when we are living for the people where God has placed us, we are seeking their prosperity. And here's the next part of this. When we seek the prosperity of the valley, we will prosper. And again, don't get in your mind this, this whole idea that Spock said, live long and prosperous, right? We may have that in our mind, and some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. But the idea here is that, again, it's this shalom. It's this entering the rest and the peace that's found in God and his ways. And so as we think about that, as we consider that, there is a way of life that is in Christ, according to him, the way that life is meant to be lived. And when we enter into what it is he says of us and has for us, and when we care deeply as he cares for the people, there's a prosperity that is ours as well. And so as you think about where we've been at, as you think about foundations for the valley, and as you have heard again and again uh, talking about what it is that we are in the middle of uncovering and discovering as far as what God has for us, one of the things that I don't want you to miss is that our heart and our hope in the midst of this is always to be a church that's for the valley. And we had an incredible banquet last Sunday evening. And, and some of you were able to be a part of it. A lot of you were able to be a part of it. And some of you weren't able to be a part of it. And one of the things I want to make sure that we do is we, in real time, give you updates to what was shared and communicated. Because I don't want you to miss the heart of this and what God has done and what God is doing. But one of the other parts of this is I wasn't planning to be the one to share that part with you. Hunter was, Hunter Price, but Hunter's uh, grandmother who raised him passed away on Monday evening. And so he wants to be here. Like he was going to do this part with me or do this part that I'm about to do here. But he wants you to know that he uh, wants to be here, but has really appreciated the way we've come around him in the midst of this. So I think we understand uh, what it is to care deeply for family in that way. Um, but one of the things that he's helped us to do 
him and Emily both as they've let out is just to make sure that there's clarity around what it is that we're talking about. So again, foundations for the valley. We have three goals that we're, we're looking at when we talk about that. And there are these three goals that are the focus and the emphasis of it. And it's church, children, community. Say that with me. Church, children, community. And so church is, is really this idea that we want to have a space that enables us to be more effective to what God has called us to do. We know that the facility just facilitates the mission and the vision. At the end of the day, it's not just about the building. It's never about that for us. But it's about how do we leverage this moment that we find ourselves in where our lease comes to an end in 2025, May 31st, 2025, and, and the landlord's been very upfront with us, and you guys have heard me share that. How do we get ready for that moment? And so some of the goals that we're looking to be able to address as we look for our next home, our next place that we're going to say, hey, this is where God has us, is we're looking at how can we even be that much more effective to serve the people of Riverbend and also the generations to come, which speaks to the next part, children. We care deeply about the next generation. You've heard me say over and over again that we believe the children aren't just the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. We, we believe that. And it doesn't matter if they're in six, six months to all the way up to fifth grade, we still believe they have something to offer and they're part of what's going on here. And then that goes to middle school and high school, college age, young adults. We wanna make sure that we're thinking about not just who's here in this moment, but also the future generations. I'm having my, my mind, my son Ray, and I think about his nieces and his nephews, and I think about your children, and your grandchildren. And I want you to be thinking about who are those people for you? Who are those, those people that you think about when you think about next generation type of impact? Because that's part of what we're focused on here. And then the other part is community. We wanna continue to build upon what God has done through the years of being in and for the valley. We wanna be a church that's living for Jesus and loving the valley and the world. We want to join him in this focus of saying, how do we join you further to what you're doing? And so as we think about our next home, we're, we're asking questions like, what if? What if we could do more with a whole area of special needs ministry? What if we could do more with meeting the tangible needs of our community? Uh, what if we could continue to be like the church in Antioch in Acts 13, where they prayed and they sought God's face and in their midst were Paul and Barnabas, who the Spirit of God said, send them out, pray for them and send them out. Who are those people in our midst that we could train, equip and encourage to further go where God is taking them to go? People like Wilson and Flor Torero, who are doing incredible work in the area of bilingual church planting and helping our Hispanic brothers and sisters be raised up, and to make a difference in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. And so these are some of the focuses here of these three targets that we're, we're going here. These are our goals for the campaign. Church, again, children, and community. And so how do we get there? How do we get there? And I'm going to give you some big numbers, and I, I just want you to, to bear with me because I'm going to explain why in which we got to these numbers in just a minute. But why don't we read these out loud together? How about that, right? All right, here's the first goal. Victory goal is how much? 
All right, faith goal, miracle goal. And if you have that in your, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I was just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> Jack Nonemaker says, I got this. Uh, but here, here's what we want to do. We really want to be in a position as we move towards what God has for us next to have a base to build upon a foundation, again, that's built on Jesus, built on being about the next generation and being for the valley. And part of the way we get there is through capital, through resourcing, through financial resourcing and funding. And I would love to tell you that somewhere, somehow, there's like a, a tree in the back that has money growing on it. <laughs> I would love to tell you that uh, someone's got you know, a big fat check somewhere, but rather what I believe and I, and I see scripturally is no, actually it's his people. His people have an opportunity to join him in what he's doing, that open-handed living. And so as you think about these numbers, the, the reason we have these three goals is we're saying, hey, the victory goal is like, man, that's really great if we get there. That's, that's encouraging. Uh, faith goal is like above and beyond. And then miracle goal is like, wow, <laughs> only God could do that, right? Like, and, and we believe God, only God can do all of this, by the way. I just want to be clear. But I just want you to understand, as we've been prayerful through this, this has really allowed us to be able to be concrete with it as we share it with others. Now, as you look at these numbers, something that's really important to understand is what we pay in rent here. Because some of you don't know that. So here's what I want to just let you know. We currently pay $4 per square foot, $4 per square foot here in our space. And the average in the Lehigh Valley is $16 per square foot. Can someone say that's a lot of money? Amen, amen, right? So $4, again, $4 versus $16. There's a gap, right? There's a gap. And so then it brings us to the next part of this. We currently pay how much a year for rent? What does it say? 50000 right? We, we pay $50,000 a year for rent, which is incredible, by the way. This is a, a gift that God has given us over the years. And then the next part of this, just so we're all on the same page. So 50000 times four is what? All right. Which would leave a deficit of how much here? Say it again. Yeah, 150000 that we would need to pay as a church. And so I want you to see the gap here, okay? There's a gap. There's a gap. So this is the next part here. Our number one goal is to have a space that we own with a mortgage that is near the same price as our current lease. So whatever, whatever we end up getting, we're using... When we talk about raising capital and funds and resourcing this, it's, it's so that we can have this payment, this down payment, that allows our mortgage to be comparable to what it is we're currently paying. Everybody on the same page here? And I know math, depending on who you are, is not very exciting. I know we were in the book of numbers. That was really exciting. But now we're here. We're in different kind of numbers, right? But I want, I want to, again, I want you to hear the heart of it because if you don't understand this part of it, it just make it, may sound like, hey, we're just trying to get more space or another building. And that's, yes, that's part of it. But there's, a, there's some realities that we want to communicate to you so that you're aware of what's happening. 
And so that brings us to the next part of this. Many of you have received this through mail or at the banquet or some other part in, in conversations with us, which are, are these commitment cards. And so today we are celebrating what's called Big Give Sunday. And Big Give Sunday is an opportunity for us to lay out before God what he's asked of us to give. And so this is a three-year commitment that we're making. And so today we're asking you to give what you're able to give towards it. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't have a commitment card and I would like a commitment card, you can just raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one. Does anybody need a commitment card at all? If you do, Dee's gonna, all right, just Dee, there's someone right over here. Just raise it up high if you need one, okay? And so we're gonna get to that in just a minute, but I wanna make sure that you have an opportunity to get ready for this. Because one of the things that we wanna make sure that we're doing together as a church, we wanna be communicative with you. We wanna make sure you understand where we are. We wanna take this journey together, right? That's, that's what we want, we desire that. And so even as you think about what we're talking about, I really want it to be out of a place as God invites you to participate of him showing you what he's asking you to do. Less of me telling you what to do, less of me trying to convince you of what to do, but rather, hey, what's God asking of you? What is he inviting you into? And so this is a big part of this. This is a big part of that. And so I know for Amy and I, this has been a sweet season, not only to participate in the campaign, but then to be invited to give, to join Jesus, to say, open-handedly, I want to come to what it is that you've invited us to come to you with and to join you in this mission that you have for us as a church in this season that we're in. And so as we think about that, I want to give you a couple of verses. And as we're, we're getting ready for that, we're not, taking, we're not receiving the offering quite yet. All right, I just want to give you a little time, a little prep, a little heads up. I want us to hear the words from Jesus, because this really, for me, as I look at what we read in Jeremiah 29, really speaks to this idea of what it is that he's inviting us to be a part of. And so let's, let's read this together on three. One, two, three. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And one of the most beautiful things about this is that we get to participate in being the light of Jesus collectively together. Right? He's the, he's the source, right? We're not saying I'm the light source. No, no, no. Jesus is. But we're the city within a city, Right? We're a city within a city. We're, we're a, a city on a hill. We're like a lighthouse pointing to the one true God through the way that we serve and we share who he is with others. And as I've been in conversations with people recently, I'm just learning that so many people are hungry and longing for the light that we just read about here. And it's not so that they see my good deeds or your good deeds and say, wow, that guy's awesome. <laughs> you know, some of us, you know, we're, we're all about affirmation. We're like, oh man, that makes me feel good. And good, and we need encouragement. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We need that. So don't stop encouraging. That's not my point. 
but they would see your good deeds and glorify who? Right, glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so we're invited to join Jesus in a variety of ways. And one of those is giving of our time, our treasures, and our talents to join him in those ways. And so what good work is God calling you to take? What good work is God calling you to take? What is the step that he's inviting you to take? And obviously we have a specific thing that we're targeting today. You know, as we're in Big Give Sunday, this is part one. Next week we'll have another opportunity, so maybe you're not ready quite yet. And, and next week will be an emphasis on next generation, and I'm so excited for you to hear how God's at work in our midst and as we think about the next generation. But what good work is God calling you to take? And then the next part of this is who are the people that benefit from your good works? Do you have people in mind that you think about and pray for who benefit from your good works? Not trying to earn something, but just receiving and responding, right? We've said through this series that we're his workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know, when we understand that we're his masterpiece, his workmanship, his, his art of beauty, when we understand that and we walk in that and we receive that, then we can specifically tap into the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. There's good works that he has uniquely for you and for me. And there's some things that are, are generalized, right, that are, are commonly amongst us, but I don't want you to miss that part of it is the benefit, the benefit for the other. Who is the other? Who are those people? Because if we forget our why, then we can make the what something that is not of God and not of his kingdom. But when I remember my why, when I remember the people that God has put in my circles of influence, when I, when I pray for people, even this morning, I had an opportunity to pray for some new friends and I'm reminded as I'm praying for them and I'm thinking about them, they're asking me questions about the work I do here. And I, and I always like to tell people, it's hard to believe they still put up with me 14 years later, right? I'm still here. You know, but in the midst of that, people are asking me questions. And it's allowing me to realize that people are curious. They're curious about not how great I am, but the light and what we are a part of. In fact, some of you don't know this, but I know because I get privy to conversation points. The banquet that was happening uh, last Sunday evening, people came who really have never set foot in a church like our church. And they walked away inspired, perplexed a little bit in the best possible way, trying to put their finger on what it is they heard and saw. But they were inspired. They were thankful. They were encouraged. But again, for me, those people were people that I specifically invited to come because I want them to get a sense of, yes, we've got something that we're seeking to do. But more than that, I want you to hear the heart of Jesus behind everything we do. I want you to encounter and experience him. And so God is doing that. God is working. But don't lose sight of the people. Don't lose sight of the people in the midst of a project that we're in the middle of because it's so much more than that. It's always gonna be about the people and the place that God has called us to. We always are gonna to seek to join him and be about his mission and his 
focus for our ministry in church. Because at the end of the day, this is his church. Not my church, not your church. This belongs to him. And so as we think about that, I want to give us an opportunity just to consider the following. And we've said this throughout our time here. And, and one of the guys uh, that has mentioned this too is a guy named Stephen Will, Will, Willis. Stephen Willis is uh, our consultant. He has a ministry called Lead Deep. He's been helping us through this process and this journey that we've been on. Uh, got a great heart. He's a pastor in the Lynchburg, Virginia area as well, but got a great, great, great heart. And one of the things he talks about, again, is just thinking about what is generous giving. And generous giving is about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. In other words, not equal giving amount. Because some of you here today, you're like, I don't know if I can do anything or if I can do something, it's very, very minimal. And I want you to know that for you, at the end of the day, God is after your heart and he's after what it is he's inviting you to give generously. This is not a guilt trip. This is not a, hey, you're lesser because you can't or you can't give quite as much or whatever. It's not even about that. What does he have for you specifically in this moment, in this time? That's what this is about. I don't want you to miss that because each person has a part to play and whatever part that they play is the part that God has uniquely for them. So this is not a guilt trip. This is not a, hey, you should. This is more of a, hey, I get to, and this is where I'm at. And some of you, I just want to be honest, some of you, as we start talking about this area of finances, I started to, to just understand throughout it, there's all kinds of things that come in this area of finances. And I just want to remind you, Jesus talked about finances more than he talked about heaven and hell combined when he walked the earth, right? This is what he did because it's connected to our heart. But the other part, I know that some of you here really want to join in what God's doing here. But not only are you not in a position, but financially speaking, you feel in over your head. And I just want to say to you, first of all, we care deeply for you. And we want to make sure that you know that you have value and you're important here. And, and we would love to walk alongside you in that area. We have people here who care deeply and who are gifted and skilled in that area with finances. So some of you, that's a, that's a big issue that you're working through and walking through. And I don't want you to have to carry it alone because we're in it together. All right, so no matter what you're able to give, no matter what God's called you to give, at the end of the day, it's not about equal sacrifice. It's, excuse me, at the end of the day, it's about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. That's what it's about. This is what generous giving is about. And so as we think about that, as we consider that, I want you to take a look at a video from one of my good buddies, uh, Roscoe Lilly, and then we'll have some instructions about what giving to this campaign, Foundations uh, for the Valley, looks like. River Bend Church, my name is Roscoe Lilly. I'm the pastor at Starpoint Church in the Capital District of New York. I have known your pastor, Joseph and Amy, for over 20 years. They've been such good friends in the ministry. And I just want you to know that we are so excited about what God is doing in your church 
and this new campaign that you have a foundation for the valley. We're so excited about what God is doing in you and through you in the Lehigh Valley. And I just wanted you to know that we believe in you, what God has called you to, and we also believe in your pastor. That's why we're sending a gift of $2,000 to help you in this campaign. We're doing what we can do, and we want to encourage you to do what you can do to reach more people for Jesus in the Lehigh Valley. Keep up the great work. On behalf of Riverbend's leadership, we just want to thank each of you for giving generously as we enter this next season for the Foundations for the Valley campaign. If you're looking to give to our campaign online, go to riverbendonline.org give. From this page, you can click on the top link or give online. From here, you'll want to ensure that you select Foundations for the Valley from the fund menu. If giving by check or cash, make sure that Foundations for the Valley is prominently displayed in your check memo line or on the giving envelopes. Each and every commitment is a part of making this God-sized vision a reality for Riverbend. Thank you so much. Well, so at this time, we want to give you an opportunity to participate in this. And this is a God-sized vision, as was mentioned before, and we, we acknowledge that. And we are so grateful for your commitment that has been given already towards this. So at this time, I want to let you know a couple ways you can do that. You can text in, you can use the app, you can mail it in, you can go online. There's offering baskets that are about to be passed around. As they are passed around, I want you to know also there are two giving boxes that are here at, in our space so that on those tables where the giving box is, you can drop your offering envelope right in there or your giving in there if you want to do that. There's more giving envelopes there as well as Foundations for the Valley uh, campaign commitment cards as well. I want to thank you again for the ways in which you've decided to join Jesus in generosity. And we are so grateful for you as you have said, hey, we're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, that we are watching him show up again and again and again. And one of the things that God's doing even in, in my own life through this that I wanted to share with you guys is... Um, one of the things that we have, have sought to really do is say, God, we want to be so open-handed with what it is that we have. And as we were in the middle of that, um, my, my son, Ray, uh, many of you know, he's a seven-year-old. Seven uh, he's uh, been praying for a puppy. So he's been praying for a puppy. And I want to share this story with you because I, I think it will encourage you guys. Um, and so he's been praying for a puppy. And there's a couple of barriers to getting a puppy. One is the cost, right? Especially if it's done right, right? There's a cost with getting a puppy. Uh, the second part of it is uh, we live with my mother-in-law, who I will say is not a dog person at all. She's a 77-year-old, awesome, awesome mother-in-law. That's all I'll say that. I'll leave that at that, right? I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but the other part of it, the other part of it was... Um, really just the time in our life, like, or do we have time for a puppy? Like, just realistic questions that I had. And so anyways, we've been praying and working through this and uh, saying to God, hey, we want to be open-handed. And the lady, the breeder we were working with, who's got this credible training that she's doing with these puppies after 18 years, said, hey, the price is negotiable. So 
give me your price that you feel like you can do. And so Amy gave the price, and then, you know, Amy asked me, like, what do you think about this and getting a puppy? I'm like, well, first of all, you need to pray about it. You know, I'm already pretty convinced about I like puppies. I grew up with dogs. Um, but the other thing is you need to talk to your mom, right? And so in the midst of all this, the lady said yes to the price. My mother-in-law's heart opened. Not a dog lover. Won't be a dog lover. And then third, uh, my son has really been enjoying having a new little puppy sister uh, in Evie. And so we've got this miniature golden doodle uh, that's three months old, and we're having such a great, great time uh, with her. But one of the things I'm telling you, and I'm telling you this story because I want you to know when we join Jesus in seeking his kingdom, he has a way of meeting our needs and even the desires of our heart. Like he shows up in those ways. And it doesn't always work that way. But in this instance, my son has been praying. My wife has been praying. I've been praying and he's showing up. And I want you to know, whenever we live open-handedly, like we started off with, when we open our hands, not only do we give, but we receive. What is it that God's asking you to give? And what is the thing that you've received as a result of your giving? I want you to think about that in your life. What are the ways that you've seen him show up again and again. How have you seen him move? How have you seen him show his love, his faithfulness to you? How has he met needs that only you and a few others may know about? What are those things in your life that you can point back to and say, God, thank you for the ways in which you've worked? Again, when we open our hands, again, we, we give, but we also receive. And so I want to invite us to take a moment to pray and then as we go out, I want us to just open our hands to God, open our hearts to God, join him in what he's inviting us into. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for what it is that you have come to do and give for us. We thank you, Jesus, that through your life, death, burial, and resurrection, we know we will never outgive you, God. That's really clear. And it's you who were willing to come and pursue us and make a way that then, God, we were able to not only receive, but then to join you in giving your love and your truth and your grace to others. And so, Lord, I just pray if there's any person here who's yet to put their faith and trust in you, that today would be the day of salvation, Lord. Today would be the day that they would put their trust in you. And then, Lord, for us who are followers and those of us who would say, hey, we're about Jesus and his ways, I pray that there's an openness to our hands and our hearts, God. Lord, I pray that we would join you in your activity. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't run away from that which is difficult and uncomfortable for us, God. Because I think sometimes there are things that are brought up and brought to the light that make us maybe feel uncomfortable, uh, bring up some hurt, some pain. And you never bring those things to shame or to mock or to fill us with fear, but rather to deepen our faith in you. And so, Lord, I pray that our trust keeps deepening. I know for me, this last season has been one of um, those seasons where I have felt my trust in you deepen, and I've been so encouraged and inspired by our community. I love being a part of Riverbend Community Church. And so, Lord, I just pray that we keep joining you. 
I pray that we would keep having our eyes to you, Jesus, our hands open to give and to receive. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your great love for us. I pray that out of your love for us, um, we would not only respond and receive, but then we would give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.